Good evening. It's good to see you this Sunday evening. Hope that you had a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Uh, it was a good bit of rain out there, and that was good to hear. I guess there are maybe a few folks that say they might have had enough already, but uh, we're just grateful that we continue to get it and hope you had a, a good afternoon just uh, watching it or hearing it fall. Uh, we're grateful that you're here, and in a moment we'll spend a few seconds just to welcome one another and to fellowship together. Uh, but before we do that, let me just share several words of announcement with you. Uh, first of all, this will be our last Sunday evening in the chapel for this summer. We usually go back into the sanctuary uh, after Labor Day, but next Sunday evening we'll be having uh, the ordinance of baptism, and we have a number of folks that are waiting to be baptized as the, as the baptistry has been you know, uh, being repaired over recent weeks, and so we tried to schedule one as soon as possible. So we'll be having baptism next Sunday evening, and we'll be back in the sanctuary for that. The following Sunday evening is the Sunday night before Labor Day and we'll not be having uh, evening services that Sunday evening. So the next Sunday will be, of course, uh, the, the Sunday after Labor Day and we'll be back in the sanctuary continuing in there for the fall. Um, don't forget, and I, I'm not sure, I'm, maybe I ought to get a show of hands or something like that. I don't know if you came back tonight because it was raining or if you came back tonight because we were having mission reports or if you came back tonight because of what's going on after church. Uh-huh, Steve, Steve is the only honest one in the bunch. Uh, we're having a homemade ice cream social after the service tonight over in the gym, so please join us for that, and uh, we'll have a good time of fellowship over there. For our deacons, tomorrow evening uh, at 7 o'clock in Memorial Social Hall is our regular monthly deacons meeting. Then this coming Wednesday evening, uh, we kick off our family night ministries for the fall. Uh, we've been, of course, uh, taking a break for the summer with our, uh, all of our children's ministries, our uh, graded choirs, and our mission programs, and those begin back this coming Wednesday, so please be aware of that. It'll be a, a, di a little bit of a different crowd in the gym for supper uh, uh, Wednesday night. We'll have a few more folks in there. And also, there is going to be on Monday the 27th, a week from tomorrow, a CPR training time for especially for those who work with children and preschoolers if you work with those age groups and you've never had cpr training we would love for you to do that uh, just get in touch with sabina it's from six to nine over in the patio room uh, and uh, six to nine o'clock that evening and she can tell you if we have slots available uh, and we'd love for you to have that training 
Well, those are just things we want you to know about. We also uh, want to uh, just let everyone know that we're glad that you're here for worship tonight. If you're a guest with us, and by that I mean if this is your first time to worship here at First Baptist, we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you chose to join your hearts in worship with us, and we just want you to know that. We would ask that you do something for us if you have one of your orders of service, and I've already taken uh, uh, torn mine off for this morning, but there's a flap. Uh, on the side of your order of worship, and it's uh, a visitor registration form, not just for visitors, but for us members too, so that we know who all's here. And uh, you can make changes if you need to give us a change of address or something on that, members. And also on the back, there's an opportunity to let us know about prayer requests, and we can give those to our prayer teams that meet during the services and pray for the services and pray for those requests that we give them. Uh, so please fill that out and return it to us during the offering time, and uh, we'll take that back to the prayer room. All right. Well, we're glad that you're here, and we just want to take a moment for everybody to stand and get, to greet everyone. And members, if you have some visitors sitting around you, please make them feel welcome. Let's stand. All right, well, how are you this evening? Good, you look good. Good to see you here this evening in worship. Uh, it's always good to be here. Now, at the end of the service, I'm trying to wonder how we can control the mad dash.
find me and we'll process over in an orderly fashion. What do you think? That's not happening, is it? Oh, respect for elders, just out the window. We want to uh, talk about our hospitalized uh, as we go to the Lord in Prayer this evening at Tift Regional. We want to remember Curtis Mixon, who was there at Children's Healthcare, which is Eggleston, and Atlanta, Vernell Dunson. We want to continue remembering him recently diagnosed with leukemia. We've had several church members hospitalized who were discharged on Friday. Dorothy Crownover, Doris Hall, Coley Miller, and Mary Frances Price were all discharged Friday from the hospital. Kyle Smith came home uh, last evening and will have a follow-up in about two weeks at Emory. Also, let's remember Frances Jones, who also got a biopsy report and will be needing additional treatment. Virginia Dormany will be having eye surgery on Tuesday, so let's remember her. Christian sympathy to the family of Virginia Farmer, to the family of Fred Matthews, and to Elisa Goodwin in the death of her father, Daryl Goodwin. Let's uh, bow at this time and lift these up. Father, we thank you for the rain. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the nighttime of rest and, and how you order all things perfectly. And if we'll just trust in you and rest in you, we'll find the purpose that you have for us and the joy that you intend us to have. Father, tonight as we, as we gather and pray and, and think about sin and repentance, bring to our own minds even now that which we have protected in the corner of our heart and have never fully repented. Open us up to receive so great a grace which we need. We pray for these hospitalized tonight. We thank you for these who've been hospitalized, home recovering, and for others who face treatments and procedures in coming days. Bless and heal. You're the great physician. As, as far advanced as our medicine has come in technology, we still don't know anything about healing. Only that comes from you. We pray for these who've lost loved ones recently, for the Farmer family and the Matthews family and for the Goodwin family. We pray that you'll comfort them. And Father, be with us as we um, set patterns that will sustain throughout the fall and perhaps even in the coming year. Help us to place you at the top of the list, seeking you first in your kingdom and your righteousness. And let everything else follow as it should. Be with us in worship now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you're aware, we had a number of uh, mission trips that headed out this summer, and um, Bill was responsible for lining up many of those, and he's going to come now and, and share with us how we're going to uh, talk about those here this evening. Well, we do have a lot and um, that went, and so we, tonight we're going to have two teams share. Uh, we had a group that went to Marietta and also a group that went to Guatemala, and then I think we've in the uh, coming weeks we're going to have our team share that went to Connecticut, that went to St. Thomas, and uh, teams that went to Miami. That's the youth teams. I think we also have some adult teams that are going to share about going to uh, Cairo and to China. But tonight we're going to listen to the folks that went to Marietta, and uh, we're going to ask them to come up first. And uh, Megan Bowen is going to share 
and then Christina Hughes will share after that. And then we're also going to have our Guatemala team that went. That was actually a, they didn't know they were going to Guatemala until they got on the airplane. And um, that uh, Lauren Lever is going to share, and then Ted McElroy is going to share about Guatemala. So the Marietta, if y'all two come up here, and then when y'all finish, then the two Guatemala people can come up. So most of y'all know me, I'm Megan Bowen, um, and this is actually my second year of Marietta, and yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so um, basically we got there and we helped with VBS and <laughs> and <laughs> Sorry, I'm bad at this. I'm bad at public speaking. Um, so we got up there. <laughs> don't laugh, please don't laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <It's kinda laughs> okay, so, and then we helped at Must Ministries too. And Must Ministries is basically like a, um, organization that helps with people who aren't as fortunate as we are, um, oh my god, <laughs> who aren't as fortunate as we are, like people who are homeless or maybe with the bad economy, they're like out of a job and, <laughs> and oh my god, and so we went and we helped with them, you know, like sorting clothes, helping with food, like, I'm so bad at this. I'm sorry, y'all. And and so we went and we helped, and then we went out in the community a few days, and y'all, <laughs> we helped out in the community and helped bring people to the church so they could come to Christ, and it was just a really good experience. I'm bad at this. Despite what you're thinking right now, I took a bunch of giggle boxes to Marietta and they worked really hard for six long days. And it's hard to remember everything they did. I think Megan's having a hard time recalling all of it. They they worked really hard. We were, um, Brother Gary and Miss Becky went as our adult chaperones. And um, we took seventh, eighth graders and one ninth grader. And we went to Marietta. Well, a lot of y'all will remember um, the Heltons that lived in Chula. Um, their oldest son, Matthew, is the youth minister at Olive Springs Baptist Church in Marietta. And this is the second year that our youth group's gone to help Matthew and his church. Um, their situation is really unique, and it's kind of the main thing I wanted to uh, share with y'all to be kind of an encourager. I don't know where the economy's going. I don't know where Tifton is going. None of us can foresee the future, but I do know what happened in Marietta, and it's truly inspiring. Um, it's a Baptist church. It's really decent size. They have a very nice facility, lots of Sunday school classrooms, a basketball court outside, um, very beautiful, large sanctuary, and like most parts of Atlanta, it sprung up, and rich people lived there, and they opened businesses, and they built churches, and then 
the south side of the town grew out and all the rich people took their money and they sold their houses for what they could and they moved out further from Atlanta and they've done the same thing and they've built nice churches and they've built new nice homes and they've reopened their businesses and they left everything behind. Well, all of Springs as a congregation, very similar to First Outdoors Church, they have children, they have senior adults, they have young couples. Um, and when, I mean, I really can't think of a better term than just kind of like low economy or low socioeconomical level or whatever moved in around the church. A lot of people in the church jumped on the bandwagon and moved further away from the city into better, cleaner, safer neighborhoods. And it was so inspiring for me to see all these. I talked to a lot of them, mostly senior adults, but there are some middle-aged and um, younger couples. But they got together and they prayed and they tried to figure out what they should do. And they did not know how they were going to finance their church, but they really felt like, why are, do we always talk about missions? And then here we have a chance to live it, and people are running from it. And so they stayed. I mean, some of the families had to move because of jobs, but a lot of the families in the church are there, and it's they work with just the people around their neighborhood. Their VBS is totally different from the VBS we run here. I mean, same material, but they bus kids in. All these, they all take shifts. They do buses, and they go out, and they pick all these kids up whose families won't bring them to church that live ne nearby, and they bring them all in, and they feed a meal every night before vacation Bible school, and um, then they'd go to vacation Bible school, and, and they do everything they do Sunday mornings. They bring buses in, and Sunday nights, and it was really encouraging to see these people that had opportunity to be in a church like we have, where everything is kind of picture perfect, and I, I mean, our church is struggling too, and, and there are people that have lost their jobs, I'm not saying it's absolutely perfect, but all in all, like, most of us are going to go home tonight and not worry about if our friends are going to come back next Sunday, we're all going to be here, and their church is not like that, and they had a lot of really tough sacrifices to make, and today in Sunday school, we talked about discouragement, and how everyone uh, faces discourage, discouragement at times in that as Christians and as a church body, how important it is to encourage others. And that honestly, in my opinion, is the main thing we did in Marietta was to go and kind of be like a fresher breath of air and to be encouragers. And the middle schoolers that I took were absolutely wonderful and their giggles and their smiles and their bad public speaking skills were a blessing to these people. I mean, they really were. Like to see these kids to come in and, and be happy and smile and to see teenagers come help them because some of these adults were you know kind of worn out and to have the teenagers help with recreation at VBS and to help with crime babies in the nursery was very very helpful to them and very encouraging and they um, were really glad we came so we appreciate all the prayers and financial support um, for helping to make Marietta possible it was great and continue to be in prayer for Matthew they have a pastor that's full-time and Matthew is over as best I understand children youth and spiritual development and they have a Hispanic pastor that that's full-time. They have the three of them all work together. Then they have like a part-time secretary and a, I'm not sure if he's part-time or volunteer music minister and a Haitian pastor. There's actually like three different churches that share the church, three different church bodies that share it and they all share the same nursery and same Sunday school. Um, it's really neat the way they have it organized, but stressful for them. And they're trying to make a lot of decisions even now on as everything's going up, I mean, <laughs> everything, the dollar's just losing its value. And so as stuff is going up and they're, um, they're, they're doing a lot of great mission work or ministry work, but their, their resources are low and they're trying to pray. And um, I feel like the ministers, they are very uh, committed to the work God has and will make every sacrifice they and their families have to, to continue to do that. 
but they still need a lot of prayer. So I, I know as Matthew's home church, you would appreciate if y'all keep them on the prayer list. Thank you. Um, good evening, I'm Lauren, and um, I went on the international mystery trip and come to find out that was in Guatemala. Um, I went into the summer with two questions on my mind. Am I, I'm an upcoming senior in high school. What am I going to do after I graduate? Also, my second and most important question was, where am I spiritually? Um, last year, I had the opportunity to go on the international, or not international, but a mystery trip, and I just thought the whole process of not knowing where I was going and not being like given like all the information like the other um, trips were I just thought that was really really um, cool to me and I just really enjoyed you know trying to figure out taking a stab at where we we're going obviously we we're never gonna figure it out on our own because you know but um, I saw that we we're going on an international one and I was kind of skeptical because I'd never been out of the country before but um, I'd be really praying about it and so I decided to check it off and so um, well, the day we left the church, I left my family. They didn't know where I was going. They didn't even give us a clue. We left, and we got to the airport. Funny story, Bill thought it'd be hilarious that um, he would put me on a plane with the mystery guy that was coming with us because uh, everybody was paired up, like, from the church. Well, I was paired up with this guy, and it had no clue who he was. And, um, but it kind of ruined Bill's whole joke because I kind of met him before I got on the plane. So um, that was cool. I got to know who he was. And um, basically what we did that, we that whole entire week was just, you know, plant seeds in the, um, in the country. And I've never in my life met so many people so willing and so um, willing and to just hear what you have to say because that's all they had was dependence upon the Lord. And it was just a beautiful thing. We went to schools and we play with the kids. We taught them Bible stories, and we even let them act it out, too, and that was just a blessing, but there was um, one particular day that changed my life completely, and it was that Tuesday we went to Pastor Puglio, the guy that came with us, to his family, and this is where both of my questions were answered. Um, as we, you know, got to meet with the family, we didn't get to stay for a very long time for the first part because one of his friends that lived down the road called him and asked him if we could come by and stop by. And, well, Pastor Puglia said, we'll bring your guitar because I did sing some singing down there. And uh, we go into this house, and I'm a very, very emotional person, and I get really worked up easily. And we walk into this house, and there's this man, like, bound to a bed. Like, he has some kind of disease that, not too sure what it was, but I walked into that room, you know, the normal Christian girl, thinking that I, I was doing all the right things. But I walk in there, and w to hear this man's story really was kind of like a slap in the face to me because I wasn't where I needed to be spiritually. I was spiritually weak, and um, we went in there, and Pastor Puglia told us about this man who, he, was, he had this disease for 20 years, but his willingness to get up with that disease in a wheelchair and will himself to church and preach was probably one of the biggest eye-opening things I've ever experienced in my life. And... Um, to find, just to know that he'd been bound to that bed, that single bed in there for 15 years in the heat with no air conditioner or anything, just was like, that right there, just the look in his eye was the true, like a true man of God. And Pastor Publio asked me to sing there, and 
it was very hard because it was very emotional as each and every one of the team members can testify to it. It was a very emotional time. And um, we sang the Revelation song and I look over at the man and he has, you can tell that he knew what was going on. You could tell that he was trying to smile, but he just couldn't get the, up the strength in his body too. And I was sitting there, I was squeezing Alyssa's hand, trying not to cry, but it wasn't working. And um, after that, his wife was standing there, and she was very emotional, and she said something to Liz, and Liz immediately started tearing up. And I asked her what Liz said, and Liz told me that even though the woman couldn't understand a single word that I was saying or singing at the time, that she could feel the Lord's presence in, within the room. And that right there just really, really touched my heart. And I felt that day that God was, you know, speaking to me, saying, Lauren, if you don't do anything with music, that's just a waste, waste of talent. And so that's where I was showed, and I was showed that if a man can get out of a bed with a disease that enables him to walk and preach in front of his church, that's probably one of the most inspiring things that I've ever come in contact with. And I walked out of that room completely changed person and like I know many of the people that were there could testify to that because their lives were also changed and we went back to the pastor's family and we met with this little boy named Dylan and he had Down syndrome and I've always wanted to do something like with you know this kind of kids and so I was like what better way music therapy sounds kind of cool and but he was like rambunctious and I was like Will play something on your guitar and he did and the, and the kid like immediately like just stopped and just sat down in my lap and I just started humming some things and he would just look at look at me with this um, big smile on his face and amazement and I just thought that was really cool and that's when I figured out what I what I'm gonna do and do in my life um, overall this trip was probably the most inspiring and life-changing trips that I've ever gone on um, I came out of that country a completely new person um, it that trips really spiritually made me grow stronger and spiritually made me realize a bunch of things. And if it weren't for that trip and that one Tuesday in Chikimula, I wouldn't have overcome one of the toughest things that I had to go through this summer with the loss of someone very important to me. And um, just having that spiritual strength is probably one of the most amazing things that a person can feel. Just to feel the Lord working in them was just phenomenal. And I can truly say that this, um, this trip was a with complete moments of impact was probably one of the most amazing trips I think I've ever had the chance to go on and I hope I can continue to go on trips like this to you know just spread the word so thanks I was one of the few people who actually knew where we were going uh, I made Bill promise me before we left that he was going to tell me where we were going. Um, so very early on, I knew where we were going. And, and Liz and I had talked a lot about what potentially was going to happen and where we were going. And I think somewhere about a week after we bought the tickets, the place we were going to fell through. We were not supposed to be going to the part of, of uh, Nicaragua, I mean, uh, excuse me, Guatemala we were supposed to be going to. Let me just show you where the God played a role in this. Uh, Liz just happens to be dating this guy who just happens to be the member of a church, of a man who just happens to be a pastor who's from Guatemala. Just happens to be. And she calls him up and says, hey, we have this plan set. What can you do to help us out? And he said, I know this part of the country. It's not where you guys are planning on going, but I know some pastors there. Let's see what we can do. 
and he made some phone calls and uh, called us back and said everything was great and uh, oh one more thing can I go I'll carry your bags I'll do whatever it takes I just want to go I've always been back to see my family I've never gone back to really work in the area and so we took Publio with us door to door translating for us witnessing with us and all of you parents that are in here would be extremely proud of your kids not even saying uh, as soon as someone said would you mind telling your telling your testimony it was yes straight off the bat um, again we just happened to be going to Publio's area we just happened to be standing in front of this pastor that Publio was hit it was Publio's mentor that Lauren just happened to be singing to there's no such thing as coincidence there really isn't the other thing that got me was how much this area of Guatemala we went to was like South Georgia <laughs> same heat same humidity same gnats <laughs> I did say that right um, the only thing that was different was the mountains and no one spoke English <laughs> you know it it was amazing. The, the church we went to was about the same size as this middle section here. The chairs we sat in were basically plastic lawn chair furniture. No air conditioning. The same heat we have now. Remember this, what this is like. The door to the church was nothing more than just a metal door that opened up into the street. And as I was sitting there the very first Sunday, my thought was, if I had to go to church here every Sunday, would I be sitting here right now? Would God be enough to drag me in here every week? And it put me in my place. Um, so I can't speak for everybody else, but that was the thing that really got me, was how, how important really is God to me that I'm going to be here right now managing the heat, managing the gnats, sitting a little too far away from the fan that's over in the corner, and really soaking up the Word of God. And um, if I didn't have anything else, that's what I came back with. Thank you all. Thank you guys for sharing. I appreciate every comment that you made. Hymn number 345 is Now I Belong to Jesus. I think this is an appropriate song for us to sing at this point. Let's stand together as we sing number 345, Now I Belong to Jesus.
Join me as we pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all the blessings that you give us each and every day. Thank you for the freedom that we have here in this country, the freedom to worship, to come to worship you. Lord, but we thank you most of all for your Son, Jesus Christ, that you loved us so very, very much that you gave him up on the cross so that we might have eternity with you. And Lord, you promised us in that word that you go to prepare a place for us and that you'll return to receive us unto yourself so that where you are, we may be also. Lord, at this time of the service where we come back to pay our offerings, we just ask you to bless these offerings and use them throughout this town, throughout this nation, throughout the world to bring people to know you as Lord and Savior. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turning and you know a little fire is burning, we'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turning and you know a little fire is burning. We'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now when you Isn't that one of those songs with an with applause? You go into an encore, start saying, <laughs> start going again. All right, repent and return. I talked about sin and, and repentance a little bit this morning. I'm going to follow up on it this evening in Acts chapter three, verses nineteen and twenty. 
two short verses, but, but packed with truth. The sermon is entitled, Repent and Return, in Acts chapter 3. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Verse 19, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we need to repent and return that our sins may be blotted out and seasons of refreshing may come. Wherever we are in our walk with you, help us to be cleansed and whole and free and forgiven. Right here, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been untying your shoes and when you pull the shoelace, it goes through the wrong loop and you end up pulling it into a knot? When I was untying my shoes one day and did that, I do that all the time, as a matter of fact. Not untie my shoes, but tie them in a knot. I was reminded of a phrase I heard a long time ago. Someone said, sin is a knot that only God can untie. Sin is a knot that only God can untie. Sin and the guilt it produces are some crucial problems that we face. We sin, and the memory of our wrongdoing comes back like a gray ghost out of the past to haunt us and rob us of the joy and peace that God intends for us to have. And only God can straighten out the twisted, knotted lives that we make of ourselves. Whatever sin that you carry with you is robbing you of joy. I didn't say it might be. I'm saying it is robbing you of joy. If we're going to live happy, joyous lives, we have to learn how to deal with sin and the guilt it produces. But how do we do that? How do we deal with our sin? Some people rationalize it. They minimize it. They make light of it. They justify it. Some people repress it. They shove it back down in the dark, deep recesses of their soul, act like it never happened. Some people conceal it and try to cover it up. They think no one knows about it. Maybe nothing will come of it. But the Bible warns in Proverbs, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Whosoever confesseth his sins and forsakes them shall have mercy. Some people try to escape from their sins through alcohol or drugs. Some people try to atone for their sins uh, by paying for it. There's a school for the, the mentally handicapped out in the Midwest, and the dormitory section there is beautifully furnished. Uh, there's a suite different from all the other rooms. And a guide taking a group by that were there one day explained, he said, guilt built this room. And he went on to say how the young lady who occupied that room was a result of brain damage she suffered and an accident happened while her father driving intoxicated. And he was trying to pay for his sin by buying her the best of everything. You know, guilt has put a lot of money into churches and hospitals and colleges over the years who are trying to pay for their atonement. But none of these efforts works ultimately. Sin is a knot that only God can untie. The answer to our guilt is his grace. He is the only solution to our sin. Here in Acts 3, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which was preached unto you. 
Those two verses tell us three things about God's forgiveness. They speak of the condition and the completeness and the consequences of forgiveness. First of all, the condition of forgiveness, and that's to be converted and not just adjusted. The condition of forgiveness, repent ye therefore and be converted. Repentance is an exercise of the mind. It literally means to care afterwards, to regret. It carries with it the idea of saying something or doing something and then changing our mind about it and being sorry for it and turning around. It's a change of attitude that leads to a change of action. Jesus told a parable that illustrates his point. It's the parable of two sons. He said to the first son, Go and work in my vineyard. And the son said, I will not. And in defiance, he refused to do what the father told him to do. But later he reflected on his behavior and he was sorry for it. And he repented and went and worked in the vineyard. The father said to the second son, Go and work in my vineyard. And the son said, I will go, sir. But he did not. And so then Jesus asked the religious leaders, Which of these two boys did the will of his father? And the answer is obvious. The first one who said he would not go, but later repented and changed his mind and went and obeyed his father. That's what repentance is. When we repent of our sins, we hate what we first did, what we loved. We detest what once delighted us. A poet put it like this. He said, repentance is to leave the things that we have done before and prove that we in earnest grieve by doing them no more. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. There are some people who are sorry for their sins, but they're reluctant to abandon them. St. Augustine, before his remarkable conversion experience, said, Lord, grant me purity, but not yet. And there are a lot of people like that, enjoying their sins. And until we are willing to turn from our sins and give them up, there can be no conversion. Charles Spurgeon said, You and your sins must part, or you and your God will. We must be converted. Convert means to turn about, to turn to Christ in faith. A lot of people are trying to get just adjusted when they need to get converted. They're trying to get their sins explained when they need to have them forgiven. Forgiveness is no light or easy matter. It demands that we repent and be converted. And not only that initial cleansing from sin comes, we also need continual cleansing. Listen to this. Someone said it's easier to find someone who has never sinned than to find someone who has not committed the same sin twice. It's easier to find someone who's never sinned, of course, that's only Jesus, than to find someone who has not committed the same sin twice. And so when we are re repent and converted, we're not forever finished with sin. We have to have cleansing on a continual basis. And that comes from confession. I talked about that this morning, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, to confess means to agree with God, to say the same thing that God says about your sin. And we're saying, God, you're right, and I am wrong when I sinned. And it's not easy to do. It goes against everything in our nature. And sometimes I think the three hardest words we have to say are, I have sinned, but we have to do that if we want to be cleansed. If we confess our sins to God, what assurance do we have that they're forgiven? Well, the assurance of Scripture, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And our assurance comes in the fact that our God is reliable. He tells the truth and He will do what He says He will do. 
and we need no greater assurance than that. So secondly, first of all, we talked about being converted. Secondly, conversion or salvation in three, in three tenses. I'm going to talk future and present and past. First of all, salvation comes in the future tense, the eternal life, the hope we have in heaven. The older we grow, the more our loved ones who have died, the more precious that aspect of salvation becomes. But there's more to salvation than just a future hope. There's also a, a present tense to salvation. As one preacher put it, I'm not just interested in pie in the sky by and by. I want chicken in my kitchen now. I want ham where I am now. Salvation in the present tense is peace and power, the ability to live the abundant life. But that's not all. Not only is there future and present, there's also a past tense to salvation where God forgives all of our past sins. And I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. What we need is not just to turn over a new leaf. We need to have those old leaves wiped clean so we can start over with a clean slate. And that's the good news about sin. Jesus came to rub it out, not just rub it in. When God forgives our sins... He really does forget them. He'll never bring them up again and again. I, ha I had someone tell me one time that they had confessed a sin a thousand times. And I said, well, that's 999 times too many. We don't need to confess the sin, same sin over and over again. Because when we do, what we're saying is that God is not able to forgive us. And what is happening is that Satan is lying to us. His first effort is to keep us from becoming a Christian. But once we become a Christian, then his second effort is to keep us from becoming effective Christians. And if he can keep us focusing on our past failures, he will render us ineffective for God in the present. So be aware of who is responsible for haunting you with the memory of past sins. God has forgiven us if you confess them. And you can praise him for his grace that takes away your sin. And if you'll thank him instead of confessing to him over and over again, victory over guilt will soon be yours. Third and finally, I just want to point out that even when sin is forgiven, there's still consequences. Because you cannot unscramble an egg. That's the consequences of forgiveness. There comes a time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And the phrase refreshing means to cool, to relieve. And what a cool breeze is on a hot day, what a cold drink is to parched lips, what a damp cloth is to a fevered brow. That's what forgiveness brings to the soul that needs forgiveness, that has been forgiven. If life has gone str grown stale, there's good news. You can have a refreshing new life in Christ. Someone said, Billy Graham, as a matter of fact, said that a psychiatrist once told him, that one half of all of his patients in the hospital could be released if they could just have assurance that their sins were forgiven. So, either our sins have been forgiven or we are still in our sins. There's no middle ground. There's no other alternative. There's no fence that we can sit on. Either our sins have been forgiven or we're still in our sins. We should not let our sins drive us to despair. We should let them drive us to Jesus Christ and to God our Father who alone can untie the knot that sin has created.
We can't undo the sin, but we can repent and be converted. And God, through Christ, will wipe the pages of life clean for us, and we can begin to write anew. There's a story in Luke chapter 7 about a woman of the streets who found forgiveness, who met Christ, and her life was wonderfully changed. And out of a deep sense of gratitude, she comes to a banquet one evening where Jesus has been slighted by the host because when he arrived, he did not wash his feet. And the woman came and began to bathe his feet with her tears and wipe them dry with her hair. And the Pharisees see this, and they criticize Jesus for allowing such contact with an unclean woman. If he really, if he really were a prophet, they said, he would know what kind of woman she was and would have nothing to do with her. But Jesus said something beautiful. He said, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Look at those two sides of that phrase. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. My friends, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, our sins, which are many, can be forgiven if we will repent and return. He will forgive and cleanse. Let's bow. Father, sin and guilt continue to be favorite tools in Satan's toolbox. And if he can trip us up and keep us down, then he will render us ineffective for the kingdom. But you had, have offered to help lift us up and brush us off and get us started again. And that's what we want to happen. Father, we need to be forgiven of our sins. And once we confess those sins, we can be assured of that forgiveness. And we don't have to keep wallowing in it. But you can brush us off and get us going as if it never happened. Because you have promised not only to forgive, but to forget. Help us do that and walk a new life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our invitational hymn this evening is number 277. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. If that is your prayer, I'll be at the front to receive you, professing your faith, rededicating your life, joining this church. You come forward now if God's leading we're going to stand and sing 277. Please come. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the
evening. Uh, as we conclude our service, let me remind you, nominating committee reports are available at the exits for you to pick up and look over this coming week. We'll be uh, presenting that next Sunday in a, a call conference uh, for your consideration and vote. So you'll want to be ready for that uh, by picking that up and looking at it this week. Will you join with me now in welcoming Sally, Sally Catherine Kennedy? Sally Catherine, come and please stand with me, please. She came to see me this week and told me that recently she had invited Jesus into her heart and she's ready to join the church and be baptized as testimony to that. So if you join me in welcoming Sally, Sally Catherine into our church fellowship upon that profession as a candidate for baptism, would you let it be known by saying amen? Sally Catherine, we welcome you into our church. I think uh, Bryce and Melanie are here. Y'all come and stand with her. And you come by and speak to Sally Catherine on your way to the Family Life Center. Don't rush by her to get over there ahead of everyone else. But come by her and, and share with her your joy. Uh, in God's leadership in her profession of faith, and we give him the glory and the honor.